Kristen Auer is a local home builder who builds homes and multi-unit properties for himself and for clients throughout San Luis Obispo County. In this episode of the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with Hal Swayze, the team goes through the process and some of the challenges this route has presented in recent years. Cost of acquisition is something you have to pay close attention to if you decide to go this route. More on this on the latest episode of the Slow County Real Estate Podcast. Here's your host, James Bueno. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of uh, the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with none other than Mr. Hal Swayze. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thank you. Glad to see that you're here. Yes. Who else is here with us? Mr. JT, how are you, sir? Present. Ready to go. You are present. And Mr. Pete, how are you? I am excellent, as always. There's a, there's a special energy in the room today. Yeah. Yeah, we're excited. We have a special guest, some fresh meat in the room. Um, <laughs> longtime San Luis Obispo resident and someone who is in the building and development business, um, Mr. Chris Kanauer. Chris, how long have you been in this area? 30 years. Nice. And did we meet through real estate or like kids soccer first? I should know this. Through real estate and soccer. First. But it was real estate first, wasn't it? Yes, real yeah. estate first. Yeah. And then we realized your son was a little bit better at soccer than my son, but the, you know, we all oh, tried. Oh, your son? The kids played together. Yeah, oh, Chris I thought, and I didn't play. I thought so. you two weren't good enough and you had to play in the junior leagues or something. But we have many other skills. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So I, we, we thought it would be a great idea to have Chris on here because obviously, you know, we talk about housing shortages and uh, it'd be good to get the construction building side of the, the situation. So, so Chris, um, you, you've been building houses for how long? How many have you built? Tell us a little bit about the background. So primarily over the last 12, 13 years, I've built about 41 homes in the county or in the city, multiple projects, some very small, some a little bit larger. It's been an interesting ride. It's very uh, appealing to take something from nothing and turn it into something at the end where you see the final project being completed. It's the middle part. That's difficult. <laughs> of life. Yeah. <laughs> it's the middle part, the yeah. whole construction part and all the stuff that goes with that. But it's been very rewarding. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, it's fun to see the excitement in your eyes because I know you're working on a place now. And, um, you know, to, to take that from nothing to something is a big deal. And, and I got to mention, it's got to be tricky because sometimes, you know, I was just at an older home in Pismo Beach in the Heights the other day. The house has been the family forever. And they were going to build a house in the 70s. And the neighbors back there were just going crazy that someone's going to build a house on that lot. And that builder, the, the kids were telling me, their father, the builder, at that day basically said, take these plans and sell the lot. I'm done building. I, I think when you live in a neighborhood and, and they're building a house or two in a, in a lot, people get like kind of concerned about it. And I think it's interesting because at some time that house will be completed and a family or someone's going to move in there right, and enjoy that house. And we all should realize that at some point the house we live in was a piece of land. Mm-hmm. And I got to think that can be tricky sometimes. People know what they know, and people have some anxiety when things are changing. Sometimes you go to the negative on that, but sometimes it can be really positive. In other words, what somebody's building and stuff enhances the neighborhood. It, you know, they have a great new neighbor. It's not always bad. You know, it's not always something that because change is happening, but people have anxiety because they don't know. We built the house about five years ago, Chris, in uh, Cayucas, and we lived about a mile away while we were building it. So every night, you know, cocktail hour, we'd go over and check the progress. And we'd drive down the street, and the neighbors would all look at us like, those are those people that are disrupting our lives, and we don't like you. I mean, that's the look we got. Right. 
Now we're done. They've forgiven us. What they didn't realize is we built the nicest house on the street and made them all a lot of money because it got their values up. I think that's pretty logical in terms of what usually happens in the end. It's just when there's noise and dust and a year or so worth of construction, it is disruptive. Um, But if you don't do that, then you won't have any inventory at all. You know, the city of San Luis Obispo in particular, they're interested in higher density and no urban sprawl. They don't want it to look like Santa Barbara, so they don't want to have homes on the hillsides and stuff like this where you just have this banquet of homes that you can just see everywhere. So if they have to create new homes, they have to increase the density or go higher or closer in proximity to achieve housing requirements that they are they have to adhere to to get like government money so that's just part of their general plan and that's kind of like what they focus on 12 years ago did it take as long to start to finish to build a house or has that changed a lot there's always new requirements and there's more levels of scrutiny Right. And it's becoming harder and harder to build. It just is. It just requires more. It costs more. Um, but I think what like San Luis Obispo and, and, and the county as well, I mean, with these new rules and regulations, when you look around town, I mean, it's a beautiful city. I mean, as much as we don't really like the extra time, the extra cost, the anxiety that goes with it, Usually the finished product looks pretty good, yeah. and we're all really, really lucky to live here. I, I can just remember a lot of the projects or people that I know that are building projects, and I, I see the final look, and it just it looks great, yeah. I mean, for the most part. So right. I think it's working. Yeah. It's just that we're getting closer and closer in proximity to each other. Yeah. So that causes some anxiety. As you look at it, I guess, what's probably the most challenging thing that you have to do to just to get a home built? Your acquisition price has got to be at the right price. Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, there's a lot of obstacles that maybe you don't even know that will happen until you get into it. I could give you a hundred examples, but bottom line is that if there's not a lot of room in the ultimate price of your finished house based on where you acquired the land at or changed the entitlements, you could buy a house that has one home on it, but it might be big enough where you can build four homes on it. And if, you, if your acquisition cost is low enough that you could support the extra construction cost, then you can do it and it, it will be worthwhile, you know, profitability-wise for you. Right. When it doesn't work is that if the acquisition price is too high and your costs aren't really, it's an assumptive model at the beginning, you don't really know where it's going to come in at, then you probably won't jump on it. Um, I think it's more and more expensive. I think the construction industry is a nomadic industry in terms of there's a lot of people who will be here for two years and then they'll go to a different city or a different county or a different state. They move around a lot. The trade in itself is difficult because it's always moving. Right. They, they don't stay on a job for 10 years. Yeah. They might work for a company for a year and somebody gives them an extra three bucks an hour and they might go up. To Fresno, right? You know, and they, yeah. they move around a lot, so that's been difficult. A lot of people think of people are builders, or you know, they have all these resources and whatever. But do you remember your first house and how did you get started building? So tell us about the first house you ever owned. Did you was it here in San Luis County? You bought your first home. First house I built, I built up in Pismo Heights, but I had a contractor. Right. You know, I mean, I didn't build that home on my own, and so 
I just had to figure out how I could pay for it. So right. I bought the land and had a contractor build it. There's not many people I know that just go, I want to build a house. Right. Or if they do, once they start looking at it, they go, wow, that's tough. Well, well, so, the, the advantage is this, is that especially if you have a contract. I mean, you don't, if you want to build a home, you don't have to build it yourself. You can hire course, a contractor to yeah. do it. But the advantage of it is you get to have what you want. Yeah. You know, versus buying something, most, probably all your clients, they go into a house and they like everything, but they don't like this. And right. I mean, it's not perfect, right? Of course. So there's always this little bit, you know, where is it acceptable and they'll buy it anyway? Yeah. Or is it something that is not acceptable and they move on to a different right. house? In this particular case, if you find a piece of land or something like that, or you find a place where you could add on to sure. the existing house, then it becomes your own, and then it becomes personal. What have you seen in terms of costs in general? I mean, you've got labor costs and supply costs and all that sort of thing. I mean, how, how does that look now versus two or three years ago, and mm. what does it look like if you could guess going forward? Definitely a lot more expensive. My building costs have gone up you know, considerably, but there's so many different aspects of it. It's just not raw material costs. It's labor. Sure. You know, and... When COVID happened, you know, and, um, you know, all the pricing got increased, inflation increased, you know, and it's starting to come down a little bit. But, you know, and it was a supply and demand because they were laying people off. People weren't coming to work. And these were the manufacturing plants that were giving you the raw materials. So it's definitely more expensive. So you need to take that into account when you're actually building something. What right. used to be a certain price, you have to put 20 or 30% on top of that, or sometimes even as high as 50%. But there's also a lot of other variables. I mean, like construction costs, but you have your soft costs. I mean, are you borrowing money? Is Were you borrowing money at 4% on a construction loan four years ago, and now it's 8 or 9%? Those are costs that go into the construction costs, or is your contractor? I mean, all these things are added on to all the raw material and labor costs. Of the 41 properties that you've built, seems like since I've been around here, the ones that I've witnessed, most of them are multifamily projects? Most of them are, are multifamily. And some of them, you know, are single-family homes, and some are, you know, condominiums. And, you know, it's just a, it's just a wide array. So when you, when you start out to build up a, a project, are, are you kind of aware in your head already, is it a project that we want to hold as a family, or is it a project that we want to move soon after completion it depends on the location you know uh, a lot of the stuff i've done over by cal poly i've always known i was going to rent them out two are going to be rented out but of the other six homes in a building right now they'll be sold so it just depends on where it's located what your appetite is for holding it or trying to recapture some of your costs by by selling them and hopefully making some profit I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes in the rental market here in San Luis Obispo, huh? Yeah. It, to be honest, I mean, it's gone up considerably. And, um, you know, Cal Poly is a, is a big driver of that. You know, obviously, they're increasing their own students. They've got construction projects going all the time with new dorms and new food venues and, and other things. I think with Diablo Canyon, you know, staying around, and I think San Luis Obispo is in a really big sweet spot. And I think that uh, people look at this with the airport expansion stuff about how it is to get in and out of here and how many different places that you can go directly now. I think is the trifecta of 
a lot of businesses coming here. The benefits of living here, which is, you know, weather, great proximity to a lot of cities, and, and on and on and on. And I just think this is a really sweet spot. Best place in the world. I, I, I believe that. I agree. So, so you were talking about building costs. Um, you know, and during COVID, I'm sure you were, you were hit hard by the supply chain issue. Has, has that gotten a little better or where are we with the supply chain for a builder most of it has gotten a lot better it's interesting though when pricing has you know hit a certain level and now the supply come it never really comes back down (laughs) 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 and it never came back to like where it was before so pricing doesn't really get adjusted but supply does and i guess if there's an oversupply situation then i guess pricing could potentially come down but we haven't really seen that but there's some materials that are still a little bit um, difficult to get. Uh, siding is, is a little bit, the, the, like hardy siding and stuff. But in particular, most of the supply chain stuff is, is readily available. Um, it's not like it where it was before. So, so that's good. I mean, you can get it. You just have to pay for it. I know they're trying to, at the city level and, and all the municipalities, um, maybe make it easier to do additional dwelling units, higher density, that sort of thing. And I think, you know, there was a developer that bought five little cottages in San Luis. I remember it, and he was doing a few little lot splits and adding housing, and, and it took longer than he thought, I think. And I was just talking to him anecdotally, and it would have been a couple of years ago. Geez, the market's sure gone up. That must be good for you. He goes, well, no, not really, because the cost of everything I'm doing has gone up. So, I mean, it seems like time has got to be one of the biggest costs as well. I mean, to carry the project and, you know, all the expense you have before anything happens, whether it's you put a tenant in a property or a new owner in it, um, I mean, that, that's got to affect things. And, and are you seeing a speed up in the um, approval process or an ease? I mean, there's certain talk about that, but then other times I hear other things like it's, 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 it's trickier in different levels. So how would you gauge that? Getting something approved is taking longer. Yep. Building something is taking longer. Right. Building something is more expensive. Right. <laughs> and, but I do think there will be opportunities for people to build more stuff they just have to look at the acquisition price and see where the final sales price will be and then do the math you know 95 percent of any project that will be profitable will be based on the acquisition price of -hmm. what you're buying in land because the rest of it is just construction costs and that's math yeah you know but where you buy it at will determine at the very beginning if you're going to make money so, you know, you read in the newspapers about the looming real estate market crash, and we talk about that from time to time, and we talk about, you know, the public's fear of the crash and the things they read in the Internet and the newspaper. And Where, where do you see this real estate market going here in the, in the next, I don't know, two to five years? Well, I'm pretty bullish on San Luis Obispo and, and the county in itself just because of what it has to offer, you know, in terms of just living here. But I don't put my head in the sand as far as, look, interest rates are expensive. It's hard for somebody fairly young, unless they have a lot of cash, to be able to either qualify. And even if they can qualify, do they want to spend the kind of money that they're going to have to to make a million-dollar home purchase or a million-and-a-half-dollar home purchase, you know, it's just difficult and it doesn't have to be young it can be you know it's just difficult right now and i think one of the reasons why pricing is holding is because there's just a lack of inventory 
and there are people who just want to move here and they've got a bunch of cash. I don't think that a lot of the sales, and you guys would know this better than me, but I don't think a lot of the sales have got a ton of debt on it above a million bucks. I just think that this is pretty much a cash market for the most part of most purchase prices. I don't know, would you agree? Yeah, I would say we've got more cash offers for sure and, and people aren't taking as big a loans as they would. Right. Yeah, at 3%, people are like, yeah, I'm gonna just, <laughs> I'll take it. Give me as much as you got kind right. of thing. Yeah. Right. Jay might be able to answer that a little bit better. I mean, when you guys do your stats, when you're looking at things in terms of debt to, you know, they, well, low, the, the, high, value the, con, the high value conforming rate is, is close to a million dollars. We're in the, the, the nines, right? So um, it allows people to pay a million one, a million two for a home, but they've still, they're still carrying a pretty high balance. We, um, we're seeing a lot of homes that there are, you know, cash offers, no contingency, close in 10 days. We saw that, um, I would say a year ago, we're seeing less of that today. Um, more of what we're seeing is more of a traditional market where, you know, they're coming in at a, price, a, a really, really nice offer with, you know, very few contingencies. There might be, might not be a loan contingency because the lenders are going through a process now of qualifying the buyer uh, and basically underwriting the buyer. So the only thing that needs to happen is the house needs to qualify for the loan um, or appraise basically so that their asset is secured. But they're coming to the table without that loan contingency because their lender has done the footwork to get them like underwritten prior to even finding the house. So we are still seeing loans, um, but I wouldn't say say that they're, um, you know, the, the ratio of high loan value properties are, you know, I would say that's still 50% of our purchases. Well, and then anybody that's moving here from any comparable markets, if they're taking their equity, they're, they're putting a lot down. A lot down. Yeah, and, yeah. and that, you know, we, we've talked about it in prior podcasts, that, that trifecta, that trident of, of largest, you know, transfer of wealth the U.S. has ever seen from the greatest generation of the boomers to their kids that are moving here to... Uh, the transfer of, uh, of your tax basis if you're over 55, and then simple price and demand, keeping our prices high uh, because we've got all of the the wealth coming here. I mean, if you're going to be working from home and sheltering at home, why would you want to do that in Fresno when you can work remotely and do it from the Central Coast? And you just inherited half a million dollars from your father who passed away. Like, you're moving here. And so that money is coming in. Um, it doesn't really have the industry to support it, but that's what's buying. So what, by that, I mean, you've got, um, you know, kids that have graduated and they've got a great job. You know, they're maybe a, a young couple getting married and they're each making 80 grand a year, 160 grand a year is uh, not enough to to save $500,000 to put down on a house within the next three or four years. Right. So that's a challenge for our local folks. Being in the development business and trying to sell some homes and things, you look at some of the metrics of what the community is at today and where it's at tomorrow. And, you know, and I spent a, a lot of time actually in research and there are significant companies that are looking at large plots of land that are looking to build like a employee campus of like 500 or 1,000 or 3,000 people because of the airline situation. I mean, before COVID, um, there was um, a flight that was going to be brought in that was going to be direct from here to Chicago by United, and that's being re-looked oh, wow. re re at again. Obviously, we know Vegas is coming in at the end of November, um, but they're looking to expand. That's because of the Raiders, I think. <laughs> right? I, I think Am so. I right? I, uh, the A's are going, too. The a unfortunately, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. okay. But I, I think when you look at what's going on in San Luis today, but then also what's going to go in San Luis tomorrow. It's not like 
were a secret anymore. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people want to live here, and all for all the good reasons. And yeah, it's going to get a little bit more crowded, and no, no question about it. But you know, there are people who want to be here. One of the biggest questions I think Hal and his team get from the public is, are, are, are prices going up or down? What do you think? We've seen probably the worst of the interest rates, at least that's what I'm hoping. I think that if you look what the forecasts are looking for, like in 2024 and 2025 and beyond, they're looking at that's interest rates are going to soften and they're going to go lower because the federal funds rate is going to also go lower. And even though interest rates aren't directly tied to that, it all has a commingling of strategies, you know, with that. And I think as interest rates go down, I think you're going to get more activity uh, than you already have. And there's going to be people who maybe are coming in at a high interest rates that they're just going to refinance and they're going to be happy that they got it. Yeah. It's just something that you have to qualify and, and, and you have to, you know, be able to withstand, you know, the current payment structure. Right. Chris, can I ask you a question on timing when it comes to building? Uh, on average, I know every project's probably a little bit different, whether it's multifamily, single-family residence. Uh, from start to finish, from the day you close escrow on a, on a property to being able to put a tenant in it or put it back on the market for resale, what's the average time for a developer or builder like yourself? By the time I bought the piece of property, I changed the entitlements, did the architectural plans, built it out, and then had somebody move in. I always wanted to do that within two years. Okay. Two years was my thing, and and you know, it, it, and it's always worked. This particular project <laughs> that I'm working on is going to take about six months longer than that. It's just it's it's more complicated, so it's not like it's what I've done before, but it's more complicated. It's in tight tight proximity, um, you know, and there's just a lot more going on. So, in this particular case, by the time I buy the property and by the time by the t when I bought the property, by the time I finish, it'll be two and a half years. But most of the time, of everything I've done, from when it's been purchased and when it's been completed, has been two years. That, that's probably why more people don't want to build a house. I mean, two years of doing that, yeah. Yeah, mine was um, 30 months. 30 months. 30 okay. months. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, Chris, thank you so much. I mean, you guys, you bring so much uh, experience and insight into this, and I know you study it and do things closely, so thanks for taking the time, and thanks for... Uh, Thanks for being a great client. Our number one client, by the way. Number one, by yes. far. Well, thank you. Do you mind if I take this water and these chips? You can have all the <laughs> chips. No, none of the candy bars, but you can have chips. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. Enjoy. Thank, thank you very much, everybody. We will uh, talk to everybody next week. We'll see you later. All right. Good job, Chris. Nice thank job. you so much. Thank you for listening to the House Wazy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. It comes out every Monday, so check for it in your feed for the latest information on the San Luis Obispo County market. The Slow County Real Estate with House Swayze podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and on HouseSwayze.com where you can find current listings and other real estate tips. HouseSwayze.com, that's H-A-L-S-W-E-A-S-E-Y.com. I am James Bueno, Director of Marketing for the House Swayze Group. If you're looking for anything real estate, give us a call, 805-781-3750. House Swayze is a licensed California real estate broker, DRE number 01111911.
Slow County Real Estate with Hal Swayze Podcast is a production of AGM Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.